Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Hey there, thanks for joining us. Welcome into the show. Week 16, Dan, right near the end of the regular season, Christmas weekend. Well, how are Giants fans feeling right now heading into Christmas weekend, I guess? that's that. Maybe that's where I should leave this thing off. Not, probably not well. It's not a Merry Christmas for a lot of Giants fans. Uh, I, th- I think most Giants fans at this point are just kept out. I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, there are some that are still emotionally entangled in the madness that's occurring in East Rutherford, but the majority at this point are just kind of going through the motions and just waiting to see what comes next. I think there's a level of excitement over the draft. Um, there's a level of speculation over the you know incoming GM change that seems all but inevitable, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think people are just checked out. They're ready to go into the weekend, enjoy a couple days. The Giants have Friday and Saturday off, so I think fans and, and writers alike are anxious just to get a couple days away from the team and and then kind of come back on Sunday and just grind out the last few weeks of the season. It sounds like you, you Dan, could use a couple days away from the team. <laughs> no covering oh, I'm the excited. team. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to check out for a couple days. Believe me. Well, unfortunately, one of uh, you know the the most popular. Uh, tweets and posts on Giants Wire this past week was this uh, story about Fan Appreciation Day <laughs> and about how season ticket holders were offered uh, a free medium soft drink, and this thing just went crazy, right? And I, I think my reaction, I was I was really cracking up, like reading through the comments and stuff, and reading through your stuff on this. And really, my take was like, unless there's some whiskey in that soda, that's it's not enough to get through these Giants games. But Giants fans really got a kick out of that, right? That was like, you know, meme city. And people were were kind of pissed, right? That this was their their you know gift to fans, showing their appreciation for them. I think there was a level of frustration, but I think more than that, people were just kind of like, you know, dumbfounded. Like, are you? <laughs> Are you actually serious? Like, how tone deaf of an organization do you have to be? Like, there, like it, it comes across as a poverty franchise when yeah. you're when your idea of a fan appreciation day is on a day when 75% of the people in attendance are going to be uh, Dallas Cowboys fans. And then you don't even spur for a large Pepsi. It's just like, Hey, here, here's a, a medium cup of ice with a few dribbles of warm Pepsi inside. And thanks for being a fan and spend thousands of dollars to watch this trash for the last eight years. So yeah, there was certainly a level of frustration, but I think, like I said, more than that, there was just kind of people that are laughing like, you know, just just like I said, dumbfounded. They could not believe that the Giants could be that out of touch with reality. That they somehow thought that that was going to be, uh, you know, received positively uh, in the middle of this season, in the middle of this stretch, where they argue not arguably they are in fact the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, it, it was comical. There's no that's the perfect way to put it. Comical, and it's it's getting more and more comical by the week. I mean, it's. It feels like it's Jake Fromm time, right? In East Rutherford, Dan, is that is that what we're 
It's time to embrace Jake Fromm. I mean, Mike Lennon, I still think he's the guy. He should be playing quarterback for you if you're the Giants. But he was so freaking bad in this game against the, the, the Cowboys that even I, you know, Dan, you know, for two weeks I've been ranting about how crappy Jake Fromm is, how he shouldn't play for the Giants. But I think it's it might be time for us to embrace him. Fromm. I think it's Fromm time. Listen, if he can pick up a few more plays throughout this week, add to his his wealth of knowledge when it comes to the Giants' offensive system, if he can run, you know, a two minute drill, if he can run the scripted opening series, if he develops any kind of rapport with the the receivers' backs and tight ends, he's got to play because. And I and I honestly can't believe that I'm saying this because I did not anticipate this. One, I really didn't think that you know the backup to the backup to the backup who couldn't make the Giants practice squad would be here and be their best option at quarterback. But it's been that kind of year, so you know here we are. And Glennon, you know, there's no there's no sugarcoating it. He played arguably one of the worst quarterback games I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the, the interceptions that he was throwing were just face palm worthy. Like it was just, it was almost like the Giants handed out a free medium Pepsi or something. It was so bad. It was, it was that level of just, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And, you know, Fromm came in, he had a couple quick completions, you know, granted it was against the prevent defense and garbage time, but you know, at least he was able to put it on the receivers. At least the receivers were able to make a couple plays for him. I mean, the arm is noodly, un- unbelievably noodly. But, I mean, if he could put it up there and Galladay can make a couple plays and so be it. At this point, let's be honest, what the hell difference does it make? <laughs> you know, if, if, if putting Fromm in there is what gets Giants fans engaged a little bit and watching it, you know, then so be it. Because that's what that's the best that the Giants have to hope for right now. It's the best of both worlds because if you put Fromm in, uh, the offense is going to continue to suck. I mean, he's just not good. Uh, but you're, we're four and ten, right? I mean, the best thing right now for the Giants is to tank it out. Now, it is a little bit awkward because of everything that happened last year. Giants, Philly, Joe Judge saying he would never tank. But isn't that where we we're at? Like the Giants right now have back to back picks, number five and number six overall in the draft next year. Dan, they're holding their pick and the Bears pick, and right now, like. Start Jake Fromm. Let's quote unquote have a look at him, even though we we know what we're gonna see. There's no future with Jake Fromm, but we're just gonna put him in there, and he could help us secure these really good draft picks, right? And again, yeah, like you said, maybe the fans are excited; they want to see Jake Fromm. All right, let's let's see it. I'm, I promise you, he's gonna suck. But I'm at the point now where it's like, I w- let's just let this thing tailspin, let it let it play its way out. Let's get these really good draft picks. Let's get the new GM in here. Let's try to fix the team. I mean, that's, you know, that's essentially where they are. I don't think they're going to tank. I still think that they're going to put in 100% effort on the field. I still think that Joe Judge is going to do everything he can to try and win. I think if Fromm starts, he genuinely believes that Fromm is, it's a, puts the offense in a better position to, to score points and potentially win a game. And it's it's almost surreal to be having this actual conversation right now about Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon. Yeah. Uh, but that's where we are. So, you know, I, I understand people that are going to look at it and be like, oh, Judge is going back. And we said last year he's going to tank by putting Fromm in. I actually don't think that's the case. Um, you know, I stand corrected. There's a little egg on my face, but it does turn out to be the fact that it, that Fromm appears to be a more functional quarterback than Mike Glennon. And granted, that is not saying much and not anything you can write home about. But, you know, that's that's where these Giants are at. So putting Fromm in, I, I wouldn't say that they're tanking. I actually think that they're trying to win games. Uh, yeah, I'm not ready to say that Fromm is better than Glennon yet. I just, I don't know. I think if Fromm played four quarters against that Dallas defense, it would have been ugly. It, it would have been maybe not that ugly. Glennon played horrible. 
but it, it still would have been ugly. But, yeah, I think the way we put this is, I mean, tank's not quite the right word. I agree with you, Dan. They're going to try to win. They're going to play. Uh, but it's like inadvertently tanking or something. It's like, I don't know what, what the word is. It's like you're going to put Fromm in there. You're not going to win, but you're not really tanking because you're trying to win, but you're not going to win. It's kind of, I don't know how to, how to phrase that. Someone yeah. smarter than me is going to have to do that. What it is is a no-win situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just terrible. What it is at this point, like, I mean, look at the people that they're putting on the field, and you know, not to say that he, you know, had a bad game because he didn't. I thought he actually played well, but the Giants are putting players like Jalen Smith in at linebacker, Jake Fromm in at quarterback. Like, th- this is not the makeup of a team that's in a good place no, right now. So. No, yeah, yeah. And I and I have some thoughts and questions on Jalen Smith that we'll get to here in a little bit but I, I have to do this Dan before we hit our first break the latest on the next Giants general manager there's been some reports out there and it sounds like Kevin Abrams will be quote strongly considered <laughs> so this is something that you have been talking about all year but basically you've been talking about it saying this better not happen and it sounds like this is strongly being considered to happen so I'll just give you the floor for a minute here to to kind of vent about Kevin Abrams possibly being the next Giants GM I wish there was any scenario in life where I could say I was surprised by him. Thank you for beginning to play out here. Um, the one thing I will say is if you had listened to this podcast this year for the first time ever, honest to God, you would think that we're two Nostradamus is on here or something. Well, at least you. <laughs> it's just, I think the problem is it isn't that I have this wealth of knowledge about the Giants and I'm never wrong. I think it's more the reality is more steeped in the fact that the Giants are remarkably predictable as a franchise at this point, almost to a laughable standard that you can see coming if you're at all in tune with what this organization has done, is doing, where they're going. Um, it actually does seem obvious, even now in hindsight, looking back, it was like, yeah, you know, that seemed like one of the most realistic outcomes. Now, granted, it's not, you know, there's no, it's not a chew in that Abrams is going to, you know, get hired as the general manager. But like I've been saying, if the Giants are firmly committed to Joe Judge and Joe Judge is firmly committed to Daniel Jones, which he said this week, again, multiple times, then your pool of potential GM replacements for Dave Gettleman is going to be shallow. That's just all there is to it. I know that, you know, some people want to poo-poo it and dismiss that. Oh, a general manager of the New York Giants is this, you know, fantastic otherworldly job. And, And once upon a time, that may have been true. That's not the case anymore. And some fresh, new, young GM isn't going to look at this and be like, I want to come in with my hands completely tied, ownership, meddling, head coach, and complete control, quarterback that I can't touch. So realistically, when you look at that scenario that's playing out, maybe even not so much that it's an obvious choice, but maybe Abrams actually is the best choice if that's going to be the scenario that you're going to allow to play out. I don't think it's a good one. I've been on record saying that vehemently that I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, But if you're going to do a half rebuild, you might as well get someone in there that's comfortable with the situation and is going to ride along with it because otherwise you're going to have all kinds of conflict and tension. And, and then a year from now, we'll be having this conversation. It's time for judge to go. New GM's got to come in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's going to play out no matter what, unfortunately. Um, that's just the nature of half rebuild. So unless John Mara and Steve Tisch suddenly, you know, shift on a dime and decide to just blow the whole thing up and rebuild it, quarterback, head coach, general manager, assistant general manager, scouting, et cetera, um, the most realistic scenario and probably the best for the franchise, as bad as it would be, is just to promote Kevin Abrams. 
Yeah, and I, I know there's a lot of fans out there. Just they just want something to change. And you know, you look up. I mean, Abrams. It feels like he's been around the organization forever, right? and he and he has. He's been with the organization for 23 years. He's been the assistant GM for 20 years, Dan. <laughs> so you promote him, and it's like. What the hell changes? He's just been he's been the assistant. Ed, didn't he he was interviewed along with Gettleman for the GM job and, and they went with Gettleman, right? He, Isn't was, that right? he was. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. And he actually served after uh Jerry Reese was fired. He was the one that was promoted to interim general manager. Okay, okay, well. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He just it feels like he's been around forever. So what what changes? Who the hell knows? Probably not much. But all right, so if the, maybe the Giants go external and maybe they surprise us, go external to replace Dave Gettleman. Who would top Dan's wish list? We'll ask him that in our questions of the week right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com. Let's go through some strong plays to help get you into the championship round. Quarterback Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Raven. The last time these teams met was in week 7 in Baltimore, and Burrow exploded for 416 yards on a trio of touchdown strikes. However, he's coming off his worst showing in more than a month, and it's understandable gamers are a little bit nervous. He has a get-right game against a Ravens secondary that has been hampered by injuries and is even weaker than it was the last time they met. Look for another huge showing from the 2020 number one overall pick. Running back James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars at New York Jets. Another highly talented player who's been a little bit shaky over recent weeks. Robinson has a matchup that is elite. The Jaguars are committed to Robinson now that Urban Meyer isn't in the picture, and it should only get better in Week 16. Running backs have averaged the third most yards on the ground against this defense in 2021, and no team has given up more than 16 rushing touchdowns behind the 23 allowed by the Jets. There's a huge opportunity for a late-season surge from the second year back. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard versus Cleveland Browns. In Week 14, it was Lazard who functioned as the number two target for Aaron Rodgers. Last Sunday, it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, leaving the former Cyclone to finish the day with 20 23 yards on two catches. He should have had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but Rodgers overshot him. On Christmas, Lazard might be in position to deliver a big game with MVS on the COVID list, although a speedy teammate could clear the protocol, so keep tabs on the situation. Lazard is an interesting risk-reward option thanks to the consistent double teams on Devontae Adams, just as long as Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't in the picture. Noah Fant, tight end, Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Drew Locke is likely to start for the injured Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos really can't get much worse in the passing game, but we like Fant to finish in the top five among his positional mates. Fant has posted 50-plus yards in consecutive games, and he has at least four catches and 50-plus yards in three of the last five. He hasn't scored since week six, but that came against this matchup. Play Fant if you don't have a clear option for more points, but the matchup is among the best of the week. Best of luck getting to the championship round, and have a Merry Christmas. For award-winning tips, news, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's USA today bet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek Hennigan From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, 
freep.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the show. It's our questions of the week, a lightning round for Dan on three questions that he was not prepped on. And here's question number one, Dan, kind of hinted at it in that last segment. If the Giants do go external to replace Dave Gettleman, and we're not, we would be surprised if this happened, but if he does, who would top your list, uh, on your wish list for the next GM? There, there are actually a lot of good options out there right now uh, for the Giants to pick from. Whether or not these guys will be interested or the Giants will be interested in them, you know, time will tell. But, you know, you got you got really genuinely talented executives and personnel guys out there for the take. And Scott Pioli, obviously, is a name that immediately jumps off the top of the list. Elliot Wolf is another one. Uh, you got Ed Dodds, who is, is red hot right now, coming out of Indianapolis. Uh, Mike, Mc- or, um, excuse me, Will McClay in Dallas. I don't think for a single second that Jerry Jones is going to let him go, though. I thought you were going to say Mike McCarthy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, in-house, you've got guys like Kyle O'Brien, but I, I can't imagine that he would be promoted um, over, you know, Kevin Abrams. But it is, you know, it is certainly an option. You know, uh, John Dorsey's out there. I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, there are some intriguing names, certainly. There's also a lot of young and upcoming uh, potential GM talent out there if you go further down the list. Um, again, the, the pool is deep if you're going to allow them to come in and, and take over. The pool not nearly as as deep if if you know everything is going to be forced on them. So I think that's going to be the key when it comes to any potential external hire. There's certainly going to be external interviews. There's no doubt about that. So I'll be curious to see who they are. I'll be curious to see who's willing to take those interviews yeah. uh, during the Giants situation because I have a feeling they may get denied a time or two. Um, but you know we'll see in the next few weeks. It's certainly going to play out. I'm also beginning to mull over the possibility that. Um, Rather than firing Dave Gettleman, he may take a reduced role. And I'm a little fearful of that where it's a scenario where it's like, oh, hey, Kevin Abrams is GM now and Dave Gettleman's his assistant general manager. Yeah, yeah, that, and, could, that uh, could happen. I could very much see that scenario playing out as well. So we'll, we'll see. All right, we'll keep picking away at that question over the next couple of weeks for sure. Um, question number two, the Giants signed Jalen Smith, as you mentioned in, in the first segment, Dan. And I, I, this was, you talk about comical. Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Smith was cut by Dallas, uh, picked up by the Packers, and then they they released him pretty quickly after that. He's just he's kind of washed, I think, at this point. And the Giants sign him to their practice squad, promote him, and actually put him on the field. And, and as you said, he was he was one of the players that stuck out to you. You actually he actually played okay, uh, which is surprising to me because I thought this was just kind of a, a let's pick up Jalen Smith to get some intel type of deal. I thought that's what the Giants were doing with him. I was surprised that he went on the field, but but I guess here's where the question comes is, you know, the end of the game, he was kind of kind of celebrating and dapping it up with his former Cowboys teammates. Right. And I, I guess the question is, was this a new low for these for these 2021 Giants, you know, putting a for, you know basically a Cowboy on the field in a Giants uniform and, and kind of letting him dance it up as the Cowboys are kneeling out the clock. That was that was tough to watch. I don't know how many Giants fans are still watching. But you could find those clips on social. It was it's yeah. kind of bad. It's it's not it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And I was surprised by how many Giants fans actually dismissed it. Like, oh, who cares? I think that's reflective of the state of the team because I think that's where it really is. Who cares, who cares? at this who point? Cares? Yep. Uh, but the lower and lower you get, the worse the culture is. You know, when you, once you get into that losing culture, it's really hard to break out of it, as we've seen. You know, and. When you start compounding it with things like Fan Appreciation Day, where you give away a free medium Pepsi, 
and you're signing guys off the street and you have to start them due to injury and illness, and then they're celebrating in your uniform on the field with the clock still ticking for the other team, um, that's embarrassing. Uh, that's a new low in my personal opinion. Uh, I was not a fan of it. Quite frankly, if I was the coach of the team, as well as Jalen Smith played, he wouldn't be on my team anymore. Um, but obviously the Giants and Judge took a different approach with that, signed him to their active roster, and chances are he's going to start this weekend. Maybe maybe this time around he won't celebrate with the Eagles as the clock winds down, though. Uh, yeah, he's a cowboy. That's why he, he yeah, probably right. hates the Eagles, at least. I, I understand that he's got a brotherhood on that team. I have no problem with him exchanging jerseys, dapping it up after the game. That's not what happened, though, and that's my issue with it. He did a Cowboys-specific celebration on the defensive side of the ball while everybody's in place to run a play, that blows my mind. That is a new low, like I said, in my opinion, for this organization. Yeah, and it was the highlight of uh, Jalen Smith's season. <laughs> it, was that, yeah. it was that little dance he did uh, while they were kneeling out the clock. Okay, and this kind of all plays into uh, this question you put out on the Giants wire, and I'm going to throw it at you just so you can respond to it. Uh, question number three, uh, buy or sell that this is the worst period in the 96-year history of the Giants franchise that we're living through and, and, and suffering through right now? Well, in my lifetime, it is. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. In my lifetime, it is very easily the worst stretch. Arguably, I would say, going back even further, you, you got to put it up there with the wilderness years because, listen, the Giants were bottomed out for a long stretch of time in, in the 70s and even briefly in the early 80s. Um, and it was. It was a bad time. They were they were doing the same thing they were doing now, you know, double-digit loss seasons, finishing in last place, cycling through head coaches like nobody's business, changing personnel, making all these constant changes. It was all, Like I said, it was almost the same thing. It was like every two years, two and a half years, it was a new coach who came in. It, it was very much the same situation. The Giants were a laughing stock at the time. They were a doormat. And it's really no different now. So for people who didn't grow up during that era, this is very easily the worst stretch in their entire history as a Giants fan. Um, you could make the argument that maybe this isn't the worst stretch ever in, in the history of the organization, but the fact that you're even having that conversation and the conversation is just shows you just how bad things are. Maybe if this this kind of losing is prolonged for any you know additional length of time, I think it's a given that it's the worst scenario. But the Giants can still pump the brakes on this and turn things around and make it the second worst stretch in Giants history, and that that's the uh, low goals we're chasing right now in East Rutherford. Yeah, it's it's rough. Now we're we're now at ten losses, and I've no I've known that it's been a struggle. But then you go back and you look at the the last few years; they've lost ten or more games in five consecutive seasons, and like, seven of eight. In seven of eight, so that is. That's rough, right? Like last year, it, you almost forget because last year was kind of fun, but it was still a, a double-digit loss season, even though we had that little playoff push. You yeah. know, uh, you know that was kind of a, a fake playoff push. You know, this is definitely one of the worst stretches of, of NFL futility, right? This is like the old Tampa Bay Suckineers. This is the Detroit Lions, the Browns. and You know, remember the Browns and Bengals with their fans, right. those Ohioans yeah. with the bags on their heads? Like this is where we're getting to. And, and you know, and you know, you're in the midst of that level of futility when you start seeing jabs at the Giants on every television program, even things that don't have to do with football. And I and I see it all the time. Newscasters making jokes about how bad the Giants are, comparing them to whatever bad story they're talking about. You can watch sitcoms and television shows and Sports Center. 
any of it. Three game shows, and the Giants are routinely being mocked. They are the example of, like I said before, futility. And when you start becoming synonymous with failure, with ineptitude, with comical things like free Pepsi giveaways, you're in a really, really bad spot. I don't know if the Giants have bottomed out yet, but they're pretty damn close. Well, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel like that if they get blown out by Philly, and, and that's who the, that's who's next on the schedule. Could be Jake Fromm starting. The Giants are big underdogs. We'll talk about that spread, and uh, we'll we'll try to we'll try to suffer through talking through that matchup right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Dallas Cowboys favored 9.5 points and the total sitting at 47.5. I'm on the under 47.5 here. This is a pros versus Joes game as more money has been on the under, but more bets have been placed on the over. Typically in sports betting, it's wise to follow the money, especially when it's counter to the public. Also, Cowboys offense has regressed. They've hit the under in seven of the last eight games. And Washington's offense just isn't that good. They've hit under in seven of the last nine games. Nate, how are you betting this Washington-Dallas game? I'm rolling with Dallas by 10 or more. Washington is still banged up, has players on the COVID list, and has the league's second worst third down conversion rate. For opponents with Dallas tied at 11 and three for the best covering teams in the league, I'd rather bet against them than for them. Also, they started up 24-0 in these two teams' first matchup. Give me Dallas by 10. That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com/podcast. That's usatodaybet.com/podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, looking at Tipico, Dan. Giants are nine and a half point dogs heading to Philly. Uh, this is this is an Eagles team that they just played on Tuesday night. So kind of a super short rest week for them. But we've been checking the line since last night. We're recording here on Wednesday morning. The line has not moved. It's still nine and a half. And that's probably because Jake Fromm is starting, right? That's probably why that line's not going to budge. They, you know, sports bettors are going to think or, or odds makers are going to think that the Eagles are going to win by double digits. And I think I would have to uh, agree. I would have to agree. I don't I don't know if I'm picking the Giants to cover any kind of spread right now. Uh, and if Fromm is, gets to start, and that's what it seems like, nine and a half points in Philly, I think the Giants, they know how to play Philly defensively, right? They did a good job in that first meeting, but I, I think I'd have to side with Philly if Fromm's starting. What do you think? I don't care who's starting. I'm going to pick Philly in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, not the, that's not any knock on Fromm. I'm not picking them with, with yeah. Glennon either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking the Giants either way. I don't, I don't have any faith that they can score points. I really don't. I don't it doesn't matter who's in a quarterback. Um Really, for me, it's it's the Eagles in an easy win. You know, are they going to win by double digits? I think that really falls more in line with how the Giants' defensive play, defense plays. If they play as well as they did last week, and I think that really gets overshadowed by the fact that it was another loss because I thought they played 
you know, pretty pretty well, maybe even exceptionally well, considering what they were going up against, um, and and the desperation that Dallas faces to get their offense the offense going. I thought the Giants did a really good job. Are they going to be able to do that against the Philly, uh, the Eagles this week? And they held them to seven points last time. So um, I, I don't want to say that they had their number, um, but I certainly think that they play them well defensively. And I still think, despite the fact that the Giants are four and ten, there's going to be this determination to beat Philly and, you know, maybe potentially cost them a playoff spot and return the favor from last year. They're going to go for it. I mean, this is this they is are Philly. Gonna, yeah, they're going to go yeah, for it. Yeah, they're going to try to play. I just think, you know. If Fromm is starting, how the hell do we beat Philly? Like I don't know. That's, that's a problem. I just don't think. Listen, over the last over the last several games, this, this is this is the Giants' offensive output: ten points, thirteen points, nine points. Yeah, I was just filling this up. <laughs> right, twenty-one points, and that fourteen of those came in garbage time. The explosion, and yeah, six points. So the Giants' offense isn't just bad. It's almost non-existent and getting worse remarkably. Uh, it's certainly not going to get any better this week. Uh, maybe Kadarius Tony uh, finds a way to return and, and, you know, maybe I'll give three to you know five points for him being on the field. If he can stay on there for full four quarters. Uh, but that's, that's probably going to be the extended, but the giants are going to score. It's probably going to end up being garbage time again. Yeah. It's, it's been what, four weeks since the, the giants hosted Philly and exploded for 13 points. Yeah, they're yeah, 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 and then yeah, and then we had that that big eruption, twenty one against the Chargers. Yeah, I mean their their point scoring has been, I and mean, that's been a thing for years. But this year, it's like it's taken a new a new hit. I mean, this offense is just unbelievable, um, and, and well, that's probably. Amazing. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what's amazing to me is there are actually offenses in this league worse than the Giants, which just that just blows my mind. <laughs> that's what, that in the modern NFL, where the Giants are scoring, I don't know, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's got to be like. I don't know, sixteen point five points per game, somewhere around that average. Yeah, probably there Detroit. Are, there are two. There are two teams in the NFL that are scoring less points than that. That's amazing. It's going to be the Lions, right? The Lions are one of them. Um, um, who was it? It was uh, the Lions and the Texans. That might be it. Yeah, or the Bears. Like that. The Bears Pretty don't score bad. either. Yeah, they, Pretty bad. yeah, but you know, you're, it's not the company you want to keep. Uh, okay, so I I noticed that the the total did move. It went from forty two and a half to forty and a half. And it's probably because of exactly what we're talking about here and probably the fact that the first game, there was no point scored either, right? The Giants did a good job defending Jalen Hurts. They made him throw the ball and they were able to pick him off, stop him in the red zone, uh, stop him around the goal line. And they were pretty good. So 40 and a half, I always try to stay away from lines like this if I'm if I'm trying to bet a game. 40 and a half, that's it's too low. It's kind of creepy. It's, you know, it's hard to bet that. You, you want to pick the over because like, Maybe they'll luck their way into some scoring at some point, right? Like maybe some defensive scores, something, something to get that the total over forty, but probably not, right? We probably should go under. The thing is, it's it's trucking down. Yeah, it feels like deja vu because I I swear we had this exact same conversation last week. Probably, Uh, but uh, I don't know. The Giants can't score. That's just all there is to it. Like I looked at the line last week and thought for sure that with the Cowboys alone, that would go over that total. I didn't account for the fact that the Giants couldn't score seven points. Um, granted, they did hold Dallas down, too, and that very well may be the case again this week. And I'm almost leaning under for that reason alone, just because the Giants, they, they literally cannot score, and they only held Philly to seven points. And I think Philly's going to score more than seven points this time. But are they going to score enough to eat up 40 points on the spread? And I, I just – on the over-under, I mean, and I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. So for me personally – 
this week I'm I'm, I'm going to pick the Eagles to win outright. I'm going to pick the under. I'm not 100% sure about the spread, though. That that could go either either way. Yeah, I was definitely wrong last week. I took the over against the Cowboys. I thought the Giants would hit a big play or get something against it because their defense is aggressive. You know, I mean, they're the reason they intercept the ball is because usually they take chances to intercept the ball. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the quarterback's usually not throwing it right to them. You know, so and that, that's what Glennon was doing. So yeah, it's not like he made it hard on them. But I thought there'd be some points where I'm, I've learned my lesson. I'm, I, if I'm betting this total, I'm going under. Uh, you know, last week was uh, – I learned my lesson last week, Dan. Well, listen, we may go through the next three weeks, and the Giants may not score another point. Yeah, yeah, that's so, it's definitely possible to get shut out against Philly with Fromm starting. Yeah. Uh, there's no question, but it's gonna be uh, it'll be interesting at least, right? It'll give us some content. I'm, I hope he plays. I, I want to see it. Let's do it. This is uh, it's good for the it's good for the show. It's good for Giants Wire, right? Fans well, want it. it. Let's I do guess, it. That's it at this point. Like people, like I said to start the show, people are they're completely checked out. The only the only vested interest they have is what they're going to see from from, and that's I, I don't know. That just speaks volumes about what are we, what what are we really hoping right for now? there. What are we really hoping for there? Yeah, I mean, if watching that's... if watching the current quarterback play doesn't make you be like, oh boy, I miss Daniel Jones, then I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about here. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. There are still people who tell you that that Glennon is better than Jones. No, so. nope. Nope, nope. That thing's been put to bed. So, all right, Dan, I hope you have a good holiday weekend. I hope you can get some uh, some time away from the football team here. Uh, and then, you know, dig in, and and I'll be watching your tweets. It's They're always hilarious. Uh, and it's always fun to watch you tweeting during during a Giants-Eagles game. So I'll be I'll be watching, my man. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Uh, have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy your holidays. And everybody listen and enjoy the holidays as well. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.